Hey everybody, welcome back to Ordinary People and Extraordinary Lives. My name is Lance Bain and it's awesome and a privilege, just great to have you with me again on, on our little podcast designed to help us overcome the everyday challenges that we face in life. And so I love that you are with me again for another week. Welcome to all of our new listeners. So glad that you're here. I would be deeply indebted to you if you would consider sharing this podcast with your friends and those that you know that are involved in leadership. It's our little podcast designed to help us live, lead, and overcome those kind of challenges that we face every day in life. Maybe your leadership is just your family. Maybe you're involved in church ministry or marketplace leadership. I'm so glad that we could spend this time together today. I would invite you to check out LanceBain.com, L-A-N-C-E-B-A-N-E.com, where you can find many other resources, friends, and you can also email me and interact. Hey, appreciate you being with me. Don't forget to leave a comment as well. Uh, on the various platforms. A review would be fantastic, would really help me on iTunes, Spotify, those various platforms where you can find us. Today, I want to talk to you about seven tips for making good decisions. (laughs) Seven tips. Maybe we should call it seven tips for making great decisions or wise decisions. When you are in leadership, you're faced with decisions all the time. What helps in leadership is to minimize the decision-making process. I heard recently of a very well-known leader, you would know the name, and they talked about their decisions and they noticed that this person wore basically the same (laughs) suit or clothing every day and they said, look, I have so many important decisions to make every day. I don't have time to spend my energy on what I'm going to wear. Decision-making is critical And that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, we're faced with decisions, right? You may be faced with a decision, do I want to share this podcast or not? You're faced with a decision that may have to do with personnel or finances. You may have to do make decisions that let people go. In this kind of environment, a COVID environment that we're in, so much of our work now is hybrid. The decisions to require people to come back to the office or to find innovative ways to work remotely. Leaders make so many decisions every day. And many of those decisions that we make as leaders, they're pretty simple. We can make them easily. There's a quick, uh, it's easy to get clarity about what what decision you, you need to make. But what do we do with those bigger decisions Maybe those decisions have bigger ramifications. Maybe their reach and their impact is large enough that a quick decision may not necessarily be the wisest thing to do. In the end, your um, contemplative decision, if you will, may be the same as your immediate sort of gut reaction and your gut instinct. But taking time to think through it, assess, evaluate, seek counsel might help you have a greater sense of confidence about the decisions that you and I need to make. And so I want to share with you seven tips that I believe will help you in the decision-making process. Now, these seven tips aren't guarantees that you or I, beloved friends, will make the best decision every time, 
but they can, I believe, help foster for you and create for you a better matrix by which you make decisions. If you could consider these seven tips, I believe they'll help you feel more confident about the decision you make in the end. So, what are the seven tips? Tip number one is to anchor your decisions in your core values. Anchor your decisions in your core values. We talk a lot on this podcast about core values. And in leadership, there's often a crossroads of core values. There's your personal core values, and then there may be corporate core values or missions or purpose statements, something like that. And when a leader in a corporation, a ministry, a small group, um, whatever it may be, your family comes together, you need to find and discover and explore how the core values complement each other, not compete with each other. Let me say that again. You don't want your core values to compete with each other. You want your core values to complete each other, that they are complementary to one another. When you gain the kind of awareness you need on your personal core values and you understand the church, the ministry, the sales team, the, the, the team you lead, the volunteers you lead, whatever it may be, your family. And when you understand the corporate values, then you can really begin to explore how these complement each other. And that is a foundation for decision making. You don't want to make decisions and implement ideas, etc., that actually are in conflict with your core values. It's okay to challenge your core values, and maybe the decisions you make need to cause an adjustment to your core values, but they're core values for a reason. By core values, we mean these are the time-tested values that are true to who we are and personal convictions and wisdom and training and experience and core values for the organization that are going to help it be successful and achieve its goal, not at the expense of its employees, but because of its team members and those that are contributing. And so make sure your decisions are anchored in your core values. I have found that to be such a helpful tip because there have been times when I've wanted to make decisions that emotionally provided short-term relief, but long-term might have caused more problems. The discipline to not make short-term decisions that are rooted more in emotional relief, but instead make decisions that are anchored in core values helps you ensure that the direction you are taking your team, your small group, whatever it is that you're leading, you're taking it into a direction of legacy because core values are what really influence people. Now, as I said a few minutes ago, there are many decisions that you make day to day that don't really require you to think about this. The, the reach of those decisions is not that far. And so you can make those decisions pretty easily. And there are only maybe a few decisions a year, depending on the size of your organization or what you're leading, that require you to really contemplate what, what input do my core values and the corporate core values, 
how those core values complete each other, not compete with each other. How does that reality contribute to the decision-making process? What do the complementary core values say to you as a leader? For me, one of the core values is an example when I talked a minute ago about looking for short-term relief in the decisions versus anchoring myself in core values. One of the core values I have is for honor, for listening, for understanding. That requires a level of patience. It requires a level of information gathering and seeking others out to discover that. And so sometimes your core values really serve as a rudder and they guide you through the process. Now, I took a few minutes on this first tip because I think it's really foundational. It's, I think it really needs to be the first tip that you consider when you're making the kind of decisions that can have a significant impact and influence on your organization. So anchor your decisions in your core values. Here is tip number Two, for making good decisions, great decisions, wise decisions to increase your confidence in decision making. Tip number two, be patient, not passive. Be patient, not passive. This is a really, this is a really big deal. Patience. You know, they say patience is a virtue. Patience is so important because patience makes room for new information. Patience makes room for your heart to be less reactive and more proactive. Patience makes room for you to begin to see other people in a new light. Patience makes room for better things to happen. I've been involved in leadership of some kind for nearly 30 years, and I, I, I've lost count of how many times I've made not patient decisions. I've made impatient decisions. They were quick. They were rash. They weren't thought out. I didn't, I didn't consider things. I didn't, I didn't look I, like I wouldn't ask, what is it I don't know that I should know? Impatience doesn't even begin to consider those kinds of things. Being a patient decision maker does. But we don't want to be passive, do we, friends? Because <laughs> passive decision makers don't make decisions. They just kind of push the thing down, down the road, you know, just push it down the road and we never really make decisions. Leaders sometimes have to make very difficult decisions. <clears throat> I think about, for example, the president of, of the United States having to make decisions about men and women and sending them into harm's way in our military forces. I think about HR departments and, and small business owners that have to lay off staff. I think about the decisions that moms and dads have to make day in, day out for the care of their children or their loved ones or for the care of their parents, their aging parents. And decision making is critical and being a patient decision maker will serve you better than being impatient or passive. I know we would like to push certain decisions down the road because when we make a decision, there, it's going to have a consequence. It's going to have an effect. And sometimes we're not always sure of what that consequence or that effect will be. 
and therefore we become passive. We become paralyzed by uncertainty. We become the paralysis of the analysis. I mean, you you look at it from every angle and you have so many what ifs and and, and, it just paralyzes us into passivity. Friends, I'm encouraging you to be a patient decision maker, but not a passive decision maker. There will come a moment where you and I have to make a decision. It's time. Make a decision. A patient decision maker listens. They assess. They evaluate. They think through what the potential ramifications of this decision may be. They think about other departments or other areas that could be affected They think about the people that are going to be affected positively or negatively. And really a leader gives themselves to the time and the energy, maybe the prayer. If you're a person of faith, the time and energy and prayer necessary that that this decision warrants. Decisions are important, friends. And I know you know that and I know that. But I, I do think sometimes as a leader, because we just make decisions so often, sometimes we forget the weight, the heaviness, the impact of some of our decisions. And therefore, we become impatient or we become passive. Now, it's a thin veil between patience and passivity. And I would encourage you to explore this and discover what this means. But be a wise, good, confident decision maker by considering this second tip, I want to be patient and I want to research and I want to talk and I want to assess and I want to think about and I want to evaluate what this decision will do and what its potential impact will be because I want to be a patient decision maker, not passive. Let me talk to you about the third tip of making good decisions, wise decisions. The third tip is to research options. Research options. This is the power of tip number two, patience. Patience creates space for you. And maybe you can suggest a deadline in patience. I've done this before. I've had someone come to me and they need a decision. They need to know my input and my weigh-in on a specific situation. And one of one of the, the things that I consider so that I don't assume or speculate is I'll say to the person that needs my input and, and my buy-in and my decision about something, by when do you need an answer? How urgent is this for you? How important is this? Because there may be other deadlines other factors that the person who's seeking my decision-making about uh, that I'm not aware of. And so I need to know what it is they see, what it is they know, what it is they need from me. And so a helpful question is, by when do you need me to make a decision? Because I don't want to be a hindrance to us moving forward, but I want to be wise. And so the idea of being patient creates space for research. If an individual says, you have a week, you have a month, you have a day, you have an hour, then I know the window of time that I have to research other options. Now, sometimes there may not be a lot of options. And so there's a subjectivity to tip number three, research options. (laughs) Sometimes there's just option A and option B and that's it. 
and it's clear to you and you have to make a decision. Uh, sometimes there's more nuance, there's more diplomacy, there's more gray matter, if you will, that needs to be researched. I find at times in my work in the church world, pastoring a church, working in the not-for-profit, that I'm not always clear about the legal ramifications or the risks of certain decisions I make. I'm not always clear about the financial side of things that I make. And to explore for me, that's two examples, finances and risk management. I need to call some people. I need to send some emails. I need to have some conversations. And conversation with person one may then stimulate a conversation with person two, which may need to go back to person one. That's the power of researching options. That's the collaborative power of being patient, tip number two, and researching your options, tip number three. That being patient creates the space for that research. Now, the encouragement I would offer you is try not to research your way out of 100% risk. Sometimes there's an element of risk that just comes with decisions. You don't want unnecessary risk. You don't want juvenile risk. You don't want unwise risk. You don't want to jeopardize things because you're just being impatient, you're being careless, and you just want to hurry up and get the decision off your plate. That's bad leadership. That's not wise. It's not healthy. So research your options. Solicit wisdom. Seek some things out. You've, you've created a little bit of patient space for you to do that. You've got clarity about the deadline by when someone needs a decision from you, and you go for it. And again, you can't always eliminate 100% of the uncertainty of what's going to happen when you make that decision. But researching and patience and anchoring your decisions and core values will certainly eliminate the amount of risk that you may be taking. And you can feel more confident and more at peace about the decisions you will make and how they will be the best for the team, the ministry, the family, whoever it is that you're leading. All right. So seven tips for making good decisions. Today, we got through the first three tips. Next week on that podcast, we'll cover tips number uh, four, five, six, and seven. I hope these little three tips have been helpful for you when you think about the larger decisions that you need to make. People want to trust you, and they're willing to give you the kind of influence, and that influence shows up in the kind of decisions that you will make. I really believe you'll make good decisions. <laughs> I believe you'll make great decisions. Just make sure they're anchored in your personal and corporate values, those values that complete one another. Be patient, not passive, and take some time and research your options. 